This is the 63rd episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about the paper legacy. My name is Victor Berhards, with me are my dear co-hosts Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. We also have returning guest Andreas Deltar Hoveberg, or as we like to refer to him on this here podcast, The Hope. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, hi, how do you do? Hello everybody, I hope you're doing well, and welcome Andreas. Thank you, thank you, and hello everyone. Nice to be back on the show. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the TopTech app. In this episode, we will recap some paper legacy that has been going on recently. For example, Robin's adventures in the hamster wheel and some uh, shady alluring plays by Christopher. And after that, we will talk to Andreas about his recent first place finish in the last season of the MTGO Legacy League leaderboard trophy race, whatever it's called, doesn't really have a name. So I think the trophy race it's generally referred to as. I mean, we know this is a paper play podcast but Andreas is a very regular paper player at our local LGS and of course a local hero so we think it is befitting he is here and we are quite sure that you listener will want to hear about this. So with that we're going to jump straight into some paper play report. Robin first up how have these past weeks been treating you? Sorry for not being here the last week reporting back my adventures in the hamster wheel. I've been playing Naya Depths last two weeks and uh, to great result, I should say. Last week, I managed to 4-0 with it, facing off against Naughty Painter, Oops All Spells, Turbo Depths, and then the finals against Jeskai, which I succeeded to win. And then the last week, I succeeded to go 3-1, and one, and that was at like the first, the first league. Like the premiere the premiere of a of a new league so we're gonna play for 17 weeks and then the top 16 will play at the playoffs right it was the first week of the new league and i faced off against cloud post a reanimator and then losing against painter which succeeded to 4-0 and then at the finals i managed to win against merfolk and yeah this deck is feeling so good and I've been running the same 75 throughout all these four events that I played it. And like the the, the results so far is been a 3-1, 3-2-1, 4-0-3-1. So that's 13 wins, four losses and one draw. Pretty damn good results from a non-blue deck. Really cool to play. And I think we will hear more about cool results from non-blue decks when we talk to Andreas later. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be super exciting. And uh, I have I have some questions about that, which we'll get into later. But I will just uh, go super quick through my... Because I played this first day as well at the premiere. And I brought uh, Aluren and the exact same 75 as I brought the North Shopping. I didn't have time to make any adjustments. So I had my mega anti-Delver sideboard and at our local game store, that's a really bad decision. But I, I managed to squeeze a free one. I played against two kind of like Maverick slash Naya Depths Minsk and Budex in a row. Managed to win those. Then I played against Merfolk. And that was a lot of fun. The player, I, from what I picked up, hasn't played a ton of Legacy, but a lot of Modern and Pioneer. So that's exciting. And it's always funny when someone who hasn't played against Aluren sees the card on the stack for the first time. Because he was contemplating, hmm, this is also pretty good for me. And like thinking about if they should counter it or not. And I'm, like, I'm just sitting there, you know, poker face. And then they're like, I'm gonna force where I go, I'm gonna force back, and then it's over. <laughs> but it's it was super cool. Like, that new Merfolk Lord is, is a house. 
So that's I think that's that's super cool. And then in the in the finals, I lost against the the painter player who took it all down. We were pretty pretty tired going into game three, and I got turn one magus. <laughs> <laughs> which usually isn't good against Aluren, but you know, I was I was just tired, and I was like, he ha- he's had turn one Magus one game out of out of the earlier. So what are the odds? And the odds is uh, you shouldn't do math to <laughs> to uh, try and figure out what the odds are. You should just mull to a hand that doesn't out to lose. So yeah, three one, good start to a premiere. But uh, you played as well, Andreas. Uh, do you want to talk about how your first day went? Yeah, sure. Uh, I played Painter. I was not the 4-0 guy, but I was the 3-1 with Painter. So, so yeah, I, I went 3-1. I don't really remember exactly all the matchups. But I, I remember I lost uh, game one against some uh, a good matchup, I think. I was a bit, uh, not sad, but um, was a bit confused by, about that. But then I got to win three other games. So I started 3-1 with Painter. Now that the actual league starts in our paper, it's time to start playing real decks. Now it will be a bit more competitive so yeah now people won't bring uh, as many stupid things hopefully yeah and, and painter is really picking up at our local, local mm-hmm. game store i think there was three painter players three, it was my, uh, most played deck last time now we know that next week it will not be the most played deck because people will yeah bring something else the meta is changing every week which is really fun it is really fun and amazing and uh, we're all here at the stockholm legacy report of course really happy that the league is up and running again for a new season at our lgs but now to our main attraction our lovely guest he was nicknamed the hope when he accepted uh, debasing himself by coming onto our team for the 2021 legacy nationals in the team section as christopher couldn't play for that part of the tournament and since then he has had a year of great success in legacy and other formats as well recently he finished as we said the legacy trophy challenge uh, leaderboard thingy on the mtgo to get there he played a stunning variety of decks i will say crushing it with everything from turbo goblins soldier stompy black red control vehicles i mean andreas to begin with what the fuck is up with all these crazy lists in your trophy run <laughs> yeah well, uh, yeah, yeah i played a lot of weird things and uh, like the Main thing is that I did not play the typical brainstorm, ponder, force of will decks. I do play some of that, but not that much. And it's mainly because the trophy race, it, it, uh, the season I played was four months. So it's a long time. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I, I play these weird decks to not fatigue myself, basically. Because if I would have jam Blue Red Delver for four months in a row, like 20 games a day, that's no sane person can do that yeah you would be burnt out by that yeah yeah so 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 the, the thing i did was that the last league for the day i played something weird just to, to, to like reset my mind just you know keep wanting to live basically because <laughs> it's so so much to play so so yeah so, so, so something weird i mean i i keep keep track of a lot of takes i i do um I have an app where I have have all my decks and I keep like um, yeah improving the decks and I take some random ID and just build a deck around it. So I have a, a lot of different random stuff I tried. And then, I mean, if you play about two leagues every day and one is a weird deck, then oh, yeah. Well, not obviously, but then we'll 5-0 with some of them. So. Yeah, because I think that was the funniest thing. I seemed from your Twitter feed, which I encourage anyone interested in this journey to go backtrack, is that towards the end... 
like the tail end of the season, you kept getting more five O's with these soldier stompy, like really strange decks that you'd be like, yeah, this is the truth now. And I'm like, because like you would think that in the tail end, you would sort of, if you want to sort of be in the race, you're sort of going to hone in on sort of playing like only blue red delver or some other sort of top tier deck just to maximize your percentages but you went the complete different direction i really i, I think it was truly inspiring I, I i guess i lost it in then it's like <laughs> it's, <laughs> i need to figure out something but the, the, the thing i'm most proud of in this race was that i one week got five list posted in one five oh dump and where it's like three was uh, in the spicy category it's like two wow. seven spice three spicy uh, that was a really 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 fun. Yeah, that was that was definitely the highlight of my week. I remember uh, be- because sometimes we just chat up a bit on on Messenger, and you and you wrote and you sent like the I think deck dump or your results, and I was just like, I can't <laughs> believe this. I'm reading Mech Hanger for the second time in my life now. <laughs> I can't believe this card is here in a five O deck list once again. Legacy just staple, super sweet. Yeah, Legacy staple Mech Hanger, but yeah, super cool. I also think, I mean, that speaks to that, sure, we have had blue-red dominance for quite some time in Legacy with some other top-tier performance, but I think, I mean, you can say for sure there is still a lot of room for innovation and boldness in, in Legacy. Sure, these are leagues you might sometimes end up playing against other goofy players, but you kept on it with such consistency, these these 5-0 spices, that I think, I mean, anyone who says that this is a solved format is clearly not trying hard enough. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. Uh, also, like a common par- pattern in, in a lot of my decks are that I play Chalice of the Void, and then either Ancient Tomb Chalice or like Mox Diamond Chalice, and uh, so, stuff like that. And then, so, so on, especially online, you, you get quite a lot of free wins just by go, going turn one Chalice. So, I mean, it's basically, yeah, 52 cards, or rather, it's four Ancient Tomb, four Chalice, 52 random cards, and then you win, basically. <laughs> get, get a lot there. It's a good start of a deck. Ancient Tomb Chalice, and they just put in 52 random cards, and you have something that looks like a deck. Yeah, I think that's uh, quite interesting because, like, uh, when people are doing like analysis on why is Mono Red Stompy a good deck, like the answer is the best card in the deck is Ancient Tomb. Yep. And it's true for all of these decks as well. Like, it just does so much for all of these decks that you run it in. One awesome thing about like this trophy race was also like that you had this adversary your opponent sort of in this race that you've been competing with all the way and he's been playing more like delver kind of decks isn't that so so isimon marksman is his uh, mt go name uh, i talked some with him and we follow each other on twitter and a lot of banter and so on and, and he, he's basically the yeah, yeah the brainstorm ponder fov guy so i i think he he, he ended on uh, uh, 36 trophies i ended on 39 i think he had like 20 with blue red delver and then like the other six 16 was with the uh, rug uh, stifle knot so uh, i mean yeah, as much of a tempo blue guy you can get and then uh, now i mean like the opposite i don't play that so kind of fun how we just keep going against each other so and and, and we we met uh, because he's from uh, france if i remember correctly might be something else it's somewhere in europe at least i apologize if it's uh, the wrong place but uh, we, we met each other quite a lot when playing because we were playing the same time zone and that's always funny when i'm playing because he, he was so confused every time because i played something weird I'm like whoa what, what i'm playing the best deck and you're still ahead of me i don't get it yeah that must be quite annoying when you're like i'm going to play the best deck and i'm going to grind 
hell of a lot and just win this trophy race. And then there's this this guy from Stockholm just brewing this weird vehicle decks and just smashing it. <laughs> yeah, like you're you're four zero in a league. And you're like, yeah, I can finally lessen the gap between uh, me and Deltar. And then you get paired up against Deltar and he goes, turn one ancient tomb chalice. Is this tempo? So yeah, yeah, I was thinking uh, some more questions. So when it comes to one of the points that Robin brought up, you know, leader leaderboard uh, rivalries, is that uh, because uh, from what I from from outside it looked more like friendly banter and kind of like a camaraderie at the top rather than like fierceful and harsh competition. What are your like insights from being the the person to beat uh, during a season? Did you have like good and bad stories or like, is it, uh, what, what impressions did you get playing this? We can start off with the rivalry in the top, just me and versus uh, Easy Money Marshman. There's also, um, Evalanda was there for a while and so on in the race. And it was just a good, good feeling all the time. I mean, we, we met each other, we... Uh, to, to talk quite a lot and so all this positive and so on and it, for, for me at least and I think it's the same, same, same for him that it, he, he basically pushed me to play more and like be a bit more focused and so on and focus a bit more on this because uh, I mean because it, it's always fun when you feel like on like an even level so, so you're like competing against each other so I, I, I think we're both pushing each other so and then overall I, I do not really have a, a, a negative um, comments and I think that there are some people got a bit extra salty when, when they lost or something like yeah uh, of course you have to be this lucky to be a trophy leader and stuff like that but uh, i mean mtgo salt has always happened especially when you play something stupid and they play something not stupid and they yeah, lose anyway <laughs> so something like that but uh, overall all of just, just positive stuff like 98 percent at least uh, and uh, towards the, the end like, like last month or something there's like not each opponent, but like almost like every second at, at least. Uh, all is like congratulations on the spot and good luck in the race and so on. Come on, so that was, that was uh, real nice. Yeah, very wholesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I can imagine people getting salty if they sleep on Eska's chariot. <laughs> it already has a sleeping being on it. So yeah, but but but, but uh, the, the, then I want to point out that uh, I, I think it's something with the legacy and legacy community also. Everyone play, playing Legacy is just happy all the time. It's just fun to play. So if I think for, for if you take a, a more, um, how to say, competitive format, like Modern or Pioneer with a lot more players and a lot more stake at and so on, then I think we'd be a bit more yeah, anger or salt and so on in, in the top. But here, here, everyone's just happy in Legacy, and that's awesome. I think it's interesting with you because you play with so many formats. And I mean, you're the most competitive player that I know. But you're so casual about it. You'd be like, I mean, I remember when we talked about last year's nationals, you were like, yeah, I mean, my goal is the top eight unless I'm going to be disappointed. And sort of, you know, just casually putting that out there. I mean, for for many other people, that would be like a big statement. Like, this is my goal. I'm going to top eight or I'm going to be disappointed. Whereas you're just going to be like, yeah, I'm going to be disappointed. And you sort of seem to take it in a stride. So I was going to ask you, sort of finishing this trophy run in the first place, how has that, if 
at all affected sort of your view on yourself as a competitive player now that you've achieved this feat which i also think that you perhaps just for the sake of time and fatigue probably will not try again soon okay so on the last question there uh for for this season for sure not uh, i i haven't even got a single five oh yet in legacy just because i played some modern and so on but i probably get some five of these just yeah it's a fatigue stuff for sure it was really fun especially when you won in the end where you're ahead and so on so maybe if i get a good start in the next season or something i might do do it again we'll see at least i have a check like that i actually got it now of course the next check is i got 39 trophies last time why not 40 why not yeah 45 50 and so on so uh, otherwise me as a competitive player so uh, yeah i played uh, a lot of magic a lot of competitive magic played plenty of tournaments and so on and it's a mindset thingy because in magic you have an rng element of course it's a random element in it so so you need to make sure that you when you lose that or they don't finish where you want and so on you accept it and you go on as long as you or minimizing the amount of mistake you do, you did what you can to win, but the, the yeah, of course it didn't go, go, go away, you have to accept it and move on, so it's, so it's something like, like that, and that's also why I, I, I'm kind of casual with my, my uh, how would I say, mindset regarding competitive stuff. I, I mean, when I play a tournament, I, I want to get top 8, uh, like if I'm not top 8 in a tournament, I, I will be disappointed because I play so much and I competitive but if, if I don't get top 8 that's yeah uh, if I did uh, yeah no mistakes so so uh, I mean of course you do mistakes every tournament but if I minimize the amount of mistake I did then, then I'm happy if I actually did mistakes and play bands on then I would be uh, not mad but disappointed so it's mainly against myself that I have this where I put my anger or so so to say I get disappointed in myself and rarely or never, I would say, mad or something at someone else or on the card themselves or the game and so on. It's just, I, I could have played better, so I focus on that. Yeah, because that's the thing as well. Like, you're the least salty person I've ever met in Magic. And that's saying something, because as you say, in Legacy, we have a lots of sort of really chill people hanging around. And the salt that's being sort of sprinkled is usually, you know, with some sense of irony or at least sort of, I'm not actually seriously being salty. I'm just saying, oh, if I could have drawn that. But you're just sort of never even doing doing that you're just like no you know this happened extremely factual about how you recount your your losses in between rounds and i think that's also an inspiring feature in how you approach the game Fun to hear. I, I just want to point, point out that uh, I get salty also <laughs> so sometimes, but, but I try try to minimize it, and I mostly get salty at myself. I try to not do do it to uh, anyone I meet, an opponent. I, I can also as I say one last thing here that uh, when I was uh, smaller, like between age 10 and 15 I played chess and uh, chess competitive and I had a trainer and so on in that and, and, and in chess there's a lot about this uh, your mind basically that your focus and so on you don't get affected by your opponents on so because it's a really psychological game so you, you, you learn to just ignore everything that's happening outside the game and things like that so I think that that helped me massively amount to, to be able to focus on a game and if something bad happens in, in, in the game I can forget it to my next game that's happening like five minutes later so, so I, I can just go to the next one and so on that's something that puts a lot of focus on in the chest that don't let stuff that you can't affect affect you I think that's really interesting when uh, when you bring that up because in, in chess it's kind of like you you don't really 
internalize or, or more like you internalize frustration you make mistakes in chess you can of course get like outplayed and stuff like that but after a game that you lost you're like a, a lot more times thinking why did i let myself why did i end up in that situation rather than you know your opponent is a luck sack that found <laughs> a, found like a mate no four or something like that it's it's you put yourself in that situation and i think that's kind of healthy when you talked about that in uh, relation to magic because when you just start thinking about uh, the mistakes you've made over a day if you're at the tournament and uh, if that if you know that you minimize that number as much as possible of course you can be frustrated like with yourself but whenever you take that out on the opponent i mean sure they can top deck and there is variance but i think just being chill and trying to you know uh, identify and uh, you know note your mistakes and then move on i think it's the only way to have like a sustainable way of playing magic long term and i i I know for myself like i i also used to get like super salty when i was younger like luxac opponents and stuff like that (laughs) but then eventually i was just like if i play as as well as i can with a deck i really enjoy then at the end of the day it's much more important to like and and giving to just add up your mistakes and what did i learn and it does add up like over time you make less and less mistakes and like you mentioned that's maybe why you get disappointed when you don't get into top eight because you have made a lot of mistakes and learned from them i think i I like the chess parallel there i think it's a good mindset thing okay uh one last note on on this type thing imagine you play magic and you lose a game and the only person you can blame is yourself you play bad you're a bad player because that out they have in chess there's nothing you can blame it's all only you every time you played bad, you lost. Imagine having that in Magic. Then many people will, yeah, will not handle it because they blame something else. But if you play chess, you can only blame yourself. And that, that's how I do it in Magic. I only blame myself. So as long as I reduce my own mistake, I'm happy. Yeah, and like that's one of the experience I think uh, I have by playing against you is that you always seem to like play sort of the objectively correct way if you know what i'm saying like how how to, what how to keep and what how to sequence and all of that and like when when it doesn't come together for you you're like okay at least i did the best i could with the like the things that i had in my hand but i have a question regarding like other ways to like use the skills that you have acquired from playing so much what are your thoughts and what are your experiences of like setting up traps and playing mind games and that kind of stuff with your opponents Okay, yeah, that's a hard question. I play Magic a lot, both in paper and uh, Magic Online. Well, and and uh, one big advantage I have is because I often play some not super meta deck. I play like tier 2, maybe even tier 3. And because I probably play the deck quite a lot, I know I will have the most experience in the matchup. Because I I, I played yeah, the deck a lot more than my opponent. And especially if my opponent is playing a top deck, they probably have not played against that deck so much. Which means that I, I know that I know the matchup better. So I can try to use that in some way against me. I, I know what I will bring in, what my opponent will bring in and stuff like that. And then about the mind games and so on, I don't know general stuff I don't know it's like uh, since for, 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 for uh, one thing example since, since I probably know like every relevant card in Magic that's happening I never need to read a card and it's just such a small thing because that puts pressure on the opponent without them 
like knowing it because I, I don't get affected when I play something weird, new or fancy because I probably already know. So they, they don't get the extra advantage that way. It's just some mind game stuff going on there. And then uh, one thing that I talked about first with or Christopher, not letting earlier decisions affect me. A typical thing is that Let's say in, in game one, you draw two little lands and you lose because you, yeah, you just lose some lands. Then in game two, you're like, oh, I have a five lander in my starting hand. So obviously I'm going to keep this one because I drew so little lands last time and only spells. But then you let your uh, a decision from earlier affect you and you should never do that and so on. So I, I know. And just the experience, play, play, play a lot. And then, yeah, it's just the small stuff you, you learn in magic when you play a lot like when to yeah keep cards in hand, when to play out the lands and so on. Like you, you, you can do stuff like you, you slowly fall down in the chair, like like you draw a good card, but you act like it's a bad card. So you slowly go go down, and then oh, I actually drew the counter. I just baited you. You thought it was the third land in a row, but it was a counter. And, I mean, you can try to do stuff like that, but it's also hard to do that's a key skill to have when you're playing ice fan quattro your opponent is beating you down real badly you draw a card and it's quattro and you have free <laughs> free snow covered basics and you're just like ah go <laughs> and then you just sit there and wait to collect I mean, having a good poker face is is of course uh, a great skill but it's it sort of it could also be like just the lack of having a bad poker face i think in paper legacy specifically will give you a high advantage in a competitive situation because i mean as as we've said and as legacy players of course will be i think highly in agreement with legacy in paper is a compared to other magic the gathering formats perhaps not you know edh but outside of that a very social type of game we went to Norse shopping most of the of the legacy tryhards in Sweden who were not sort of you know who were ab- available were there but it's a, like a super nice and cozy environment all day even though we're playing for you know there are some stakes involved and you get into this very sort of social relaxed space in which i think it's easier for you to lapse into revealing your poker face because you you feel relaxed and i think you have a knack for that while being relaxed also keeping your cool and i think that would give you a huge advantage uh, in paper and again perhaps this is sort of hereditary from your chess days but with you it's very obvious Uh, i can also point out one thing when you play a lot of magic and a lot of online especially then you've seen all the stuff that can happen and like all the lucky stuff all the unlucky and so on so you, you don't really get affected when the opponent draw three balls in a row. Like, okay, it happened. It was not four times this time, like it was one time online and so on. Like, um, uh, I, I, I don't really complain about being unlucky ever again anymore. Because one time online, I was playing Lance against some Randak. We were both in top deck mode. And I drove my four Mox Simons naturally in a row. Like, they were the absolute four worst card I could have. And I was like, okay, I will never be this unlucky again. It's fine, I mean... Now in paper, I draw three in a row. Okay, it was not the fourth. I'm happy. And, <laughs> and then they got to really get cool affected. To peak. <laughs> yeah, so it's like seeing, seeing the most crazy stuff and the, yeah, the worst stuff and so on. So when it happens paper, it's like, oh, yeah, sure.
But which which of all these like crazy decks were most surprisingly good? Would you say which were performed outperformed the most? Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, I want to talk about that. But um, for, for first off, the, the, the decks I play most online, I have most success with. Answer is quite a lot. Is uh, Painter and Lands. I think of my Fortnite trophies, I had like twenty maybe with different iterations of Lands or Painter in some way. And, and then we start getting down to the weirdest kind kind of things. And, and I think that uh, Fortsy sticks or. Overall, I have quite some uh, forces. I had like Dead Guy Ale, I had Black Red Control, I had Mono Black Depths, I could quite a lot of success with. So, so just general forces decks. I think forces is underplayed right now. I think that's my yeah note on that. Yeah, I think maybe people are mentally still in the Snoko era where Veil was a really real card. And yeah, like this card is great. Sure is, sure is. No, of course, it might be a bit better online because people play more stupid stuff. And then it's better to just take their weird stuff. On. I think uh, so. some sort of uh, fault sticks. So. Uh, oh, also I can point out, uh, I won two challenges, maybe three. No, no, two, two challenges, not three challenges. A uh, top eight, several, but uh, two, two, I won. Uh, one with Mono Black Depths and one with Painter. So I think like o- overall my most standout deck is Painter. And the deck I got most famous for is the Mono Black Depths deck. First one to win a challenge with it and then sort of pop off. Yeah, I remember that. We were so proud here on the podcast. It was uh, a, a glorious moment to see you, follow you doing that. Because I was uh, I was up for it. I was like doing some really super late work on a Sunday night and following your Twitter feed. Sort of with that. It was my magic spectating experience of the year, even though I was only spectating a text report. I have a question. When you're sitting there with a really spicy one, like don't touch your ha- don't touch your face after eating this spicy, and you're at four zero, do you feel the additional pressure in in the last round because you really want this to have a tr- shot of getting into the deck dump? Do you notice any difference in in you when you're going into the last game? Yes, uh, I do, and especially after when I get the five zero, <laughs> I get so happy. I mean, so so nice uh, when when if I five zero it. Uh, before, uh, I mean, I, I managed to like c- calm down and just focus on the game and so on. And, and it's often that w- 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 when you get a 4-0, you know that you can get a 5-0. It's like, yeah, I have four, four wins, of course, can win another one. It's not like uh, impossible, of course. So, so then you just focus on that game and you're happy. So, But, but especially after games, uh, you, you uh, yeah, uh, I get a lot more happy when it's something super cool. Uh, I'm a bit sad. Uh, um, I think I posted it uh, on like my last uh, post regarding the trophy uh, race uh, I, I play quite a lot of uh, Rug um, Seismic Assault With uh, Slugurk and uh, Loam And stuff and with Currency Converter And Mox Simon, so, like all, all, all the cool cards And I had two four ones the last day So I was like so 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 close In getting 40 trophies and getting Last one with a super cool deck so that, that also A bit salty but it happens. I love seism- seismic assault. I mean, I've I've played it in control, bad control decks with Dak and Loam. But you know, it's uh, now when sl- with Slogurk and stuff like that, it's it's a nasty one. I still want to make Slogurk work uh, <laughs> really work. well, and that sounds like a really good uh... combo with Minskambu. Slogurk has trample. Oh yeah, just want to point out. Sure. So looking forward, what are your next uh, goals in, in Magic uh, Legacy or otherwise? Okay, a great question. My, my main goals are in Legacy right now. So I have uh, quite a busy schedule, so to say, the upcoming uh, f- next few weeks. So first off, I'm going to Birmingham on the 22nd October to 23rd, uh, these two Legacy events. So hoping to meet uh, yeah, people there, 
maybe some listeners would be really cool. Obviously, I mean, I want to win them, of course. But uh, if I don't win them, I'm not going to be sad. But uh, uh, that, that's the goal, of course. But if you don't top eight, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to make at least one top eight, top eight in two days. Because there's one on Saturday and one on Sunday. So, so I'm like expecting one. That's a bit hard to say. No, nah, but I, I believe in you. If if anyone, if I would have expected from anyone, it's probably you. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, yeah, so I'm so, um, really, really hoping to get one top eight at least in two days. Then I have the week after. I have this... Uh, invasion tour from North Shopping, like the finals thingy, where, where they play the legacy, modern, pioneer, like everything, the conclusion of the year for that one, uh, which I qualified. I can also point out, I don't think I said it, I, I also, I topped eight the North Shopping event that you have been referring to a couple times with uh, Painter. So, so yeah, I'm qualified to that one, so that's a big tournament, uh, hope, uh, obviously hoping to go good there, there's a top 16, so... What what format is that? Uh, well, it's, uh, I, I don't know exactly, but it's two, two days, and then you play draft, modern pioneer legacy like all of them so it's like first you play a draft and then you play pioneer i think then the second day is modern and legacy and yeah i don't know exactly but Man, playing, so playing everything basically so that would be nice and then of course the, the 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 biggest the most important tournament is the week after that when we come to bsk bros the swedish nationals in legacy and that's the most prestigious yeah obviously a win there is the only thing on the map uh, at least a top four, so you get to the uh, invite for the European uh, Masters, yeah, European Legacy Masters thingy. Oh, that's on the line. Yep, top oh, four man. gets there. That's on the line. I'm actually the liaison for this tournament in Sweden. I have made sure that uh, the Nationals are the qualifying event. Ironically, it looks currently as I will not personally make it to Nationals because it's in the week of uh, school holiday and my daughter is in school now and it might be conflicting with things that needs to happen with her. So, um, we'll see. We might need to call on the hope again to finish <laughs> off the yeah. trio for the team's tournament. Maybe we'll have a, a different configuration, but I can represent the black red reanimator if you want me to. That's, that's very kind of you. Man, that team's trios was so much fun. It's so much fun. I'm looking forward to it, of course. And then the last thing for me this year that that's like, of course, we have our league, of course, there's a final series. Oh, yeah, on the, the playoffs, yeah. Uh, that's also a bit sad because I, I, I won the, the league playoffs twice in a row. The only people, person doing that. Then I lost the last time. So I didn't get my three wins in a row. So I need to take back the title so I can get three in a row. So oh, man. The, the last thing that I'm uh, doing this year, like the bigger tournament, is the Bologna. Where the yeah uh, European Legacy Masters is going on there. But I'm going there no matter what. So if I'm qualified for that one, I will play it. Otherwise, I will play the main event. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, and that's like in December, right? Yeah, exactly. First week, uh, if I remember correctly. So I think Bologna is, is really cool. It's this uh, old city with a really young citizen uh, group or whatever you can call a population. it. A population. Yeah, that's a better word for it. I just think it's it's cool to see because it kind of reminds me of my home hometown, Uppsala, which is also like this old university town. But the majority of people you see out in the streets are just young students and it, i think that does a lot and playing magic and eating great food having a salami budget before going and then just popping off it's it's a great time so i would recommend as many people as possible to go to bologna and play some legacy so your your like main decks are painter and lance right how, how do you feel about the like how they are they are positioned which is your favorite at the moment 
Uh, I think both both are, are decent now. Uh, like I mean, I, I wouldn't surprise if uh, any of the decks win uh, like a yeah a challenge like and they can win, but uh, like a showcase qualifier or something big that or like a yeah so, so some big paper to like any hundred two hundred people tournament uh, and any of these decks can win. And which one is the better? It's it depends completely on, on what meta you expect. So it's hard hard to say, but both are good decks. I would not blame anyone to picking any of these two decks to play in a tournament. Me personally, I think I prefer Painter a bit more right now, just because people might play Price of Progress, and that's a bit scary when we play Lance. And that, my friends, is all we have for this week. Many thanks to Andreas the Hope Hoverberg for coming on. Truly lovely to have you. For all the UR dominants out there, again, I think we can say for sure there is room to do other things in legacy so thank you for proving that for our listeners if you have any feedback on our work or you want to suggest another guest for a future show you are very welcome to join our discord server you can find a link in this episode description and in addition to the discord you can find us on twitter at sthlm legacy we are also present personally on some social media as well andreas we've been referring to this where on twitter and other social media can our listeners find you yeah, so on Twitter, you can find me at Deltar2. I think you can probably find me as at Deltar also. And then, of course, you can uh, find me on Medic Online, yeah, at Deltar. And uh, I'm uh, active in some of the legacy Discord, like Lance, Painter, and so on. Them, so you can probably tag me there and just r- r- right in there, and I will answer. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at Jacka underscore Bo. Oh, hell yeah. He he got it right, <laughs> and you can find you can find me on Twitter as well at monolithmtg. And if you want to talk to me, you can at me at Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the sixty third episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sian and Christopher Wikström. Special thanks to Andreas Hoverberg and warm thanks to you for listening to the end. The Great Furnace has, as always, written our music. You can find their work on Spotify. And until next time, remember that somewhere out in the multiverse there is a Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, or a song of Ice and Fire television show just for you.